0: It's Madison Burge. I play Becky Sprouls, and you're listening to the FNL Podcast.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights Podcast. Uh, I'm Blake. Today with us is Lyle. Hey, what's going on? And Russ.
2: Hey, and I did not save my body because of the cold wall.
1: That's right, that's right. We could talk a little uh, Super Bowl action at some point in here, too. I actually had an email from somebody asking us that we would take a few minutes to talk through uh, our take on the Super Bowl and all. I don't know that everybody listening wants to know exactly, but um, I'll go ahead and say I was very pleased to see uh, the Saints win last Sunday night.
3: Um, I, have a, I also
2: I,
1: was very, very pleased, obviously.
2: Um, I have a, a – I working at Charter church, and I'm a – High school pastor um, for a church in Temple uh, over here. And um, I, we watched the game uh, at the church or whatever. And we had like just a bunch of stuff going on for our middle school and high schoolers. And um, I was actually getting yelled at by the crowd was like 70, 30 Saints fans, Colts fans. Uh-huh. And obviously, I'm a Colts fan. So there's this uh, dad I've never met before, and his daughter had gotten in some trouble. And so he's kind of yelling at me. He's actually really getting on to me. And then Peyton throws that pick, and while in the middle of him, like, getting on to me, I said, oh, crap. And he turned around, he started screaming hoot at, and then hugged me, and then, like, everything was fine after that. Like, a a pretty good, like, bonding moment.
1: So are you a Colts fan or a Manning fan?
2: I am a Colts fan because of Manning. When he leaves, I probably will not care about them at all. So Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I guess by that logic, I should pull for for the Saints because they have more Tennessee players. Because they have Jabari Greer and um, Robert Meekham both on their team.
1: But anyway, back to Friday Night Lights. We were able to finally uh, see how this season wrapped up. We have uh, 13 episodes as we've plowed through here in in season four, and um, we talked about the last couple of episodes, last probably what three or four episodes. How dark? How heavy? And how ominous everything seemed to be. And it seemed like there was really only one logical way to make everybody feel better. Um, and that was Matt Saracen coming back. No. It was uh which well, was good to see Matt come back. Was, were you kinda of surprised by that?
3: Oh, uh, well, I'm just kinda of surprised that you think that, that ending will make anybody feel better, because it made me feel worse.
1: The uh the victory by the lines? Yes. Worse in what way?
3: It was too unrealistic. We've been saying it all year long. That's the one thing that we could not accept exactly. was this like expansion team beating one of the best teams in the state. Like the prayer view at A&M's of the world, don't beat the Florida's, the Alabama's, the Texas is, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen.
1: I agree with you that looking at it from, you know, 30,000 feet, looking down, it does seem improbable and downright impossible. But uh, I think during the episode, it seemed like it was believable.
3: Oh, it didn't
2: change. Oh, uh, here's I I actually I think it's a little more believable than we made it out to be. Because think about this. They kinda it's semi believable that they took like the best team in the state, the team that has not allowed a touchdown or like maybe one touchdown the whole season halfway point. They held them to like fourteen to seven or twenty one to seven or That's something right. like that. And then Dylan didn't even make the playoffs because of that. I mean, of course, it was because of that loss, but it kind of, I, it kind of is a little more believable just because they're not the juggernaut that they have been. But my bigger question is, how much do you think that town would really want – how bad do you think they'd be at the McCoys to be like, you ran our coach off who won and went to state, won state, and went to the playoffs in his three years? I mean, you can't really have a better resume than that. And then you ran him off to a school and got beat by him and didn't make the playoffs in the year after. That's like, true. Don't uh, how, you think there would be some unrest? I don't
3: know. Uh, I mean, how are we supposed to believe that Wes Dillon wouldn't make the playoffs when J.D. McCoy is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country?
1: Well, you know, you think about it too, though. You assume at least a third, if not a half, of the players that had been on, on the, the roster last year at the Panthers – got moved over to East Dillon anyhow. So they're not as strong as they have been the last four or five years anyway.
3: I don't know. The football action, they pulled out every stupid thing they could pull out. Tinker scored a freaking touchdown. (laughs) And the injured player makes a miracle comeback, and Landry kicks a miracle field goal, and a million miracles happen in one game.
1: Well, I was just glad to see that there were 14 seconds left at the very end of that. It's always, like you said, the last, the last minute comeback. One, of, one of the things I thought was interesting though is even when they were at the very beginning of the episode, as we were, you know, seeing the pep rallies or the rivalry things and the mayors there. I, I don't know if we saw her. I don't know if we saw her, but I know we heard her, and she was talking about this is the classic rivalry. And I'm thinking, you know, how long has this rivalry been going on?
3: Well. One other thing I want to ask about Tinker. Okay, did he score? Was that a tackle eligible play? Or do they line him up at tight end? Or how did, how was it, uh, how could he be an eligible receiver downfield? Was it tackle eligible?
1: Uh, Well, you know, even coach said he didn't know if he was going to work or not.
3: Well, I I mean, you don't run a trick play without practicing it. That's what killed me. Vince was like, is this even legal? We'll find out. You don't run trick plays without practicing them beforehand. That was, They have always made the football plausible until this game to me. Yeah, that's what – and,
2: I mean, we've talked about this before, but I am – Vince is the worst. He does not look like a football player in the least bit when he's running. He carries the football way out away from him. He always carries it in one hand. Stuff like that just just, – that kind of drives me crazy. Like, it seemed like – the football scene seemed shoddily cut together as evidenced by the fact, and I don't know if y'all noticed this, but they cut to the sideline. They were wearing white because they played their home team, but they played their home stadium, but they were the white team. Uh-huh. Dylan was. But a couple of times they cut to the sideline, and they were in blue uniforms.
1: I Did y'all notice that. that? Uh-uh.
2: No, I didn't notice So he took either.
1: some old file photos or file footage.
2: I, I don't know. It was Aikman on the sidelines, like yelling at people and stuff. And it, they were wearing blue.
1: Maybe because it was and the now, last game of the year that they let the JV dress out, and that was their jerseys.
2: Like, I think that. <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know how, like, when homecoming, because all the cheerleaders are using the homecoming court, they pull up the eighth and ninth grade cheerleaders to let them come cheer, too. <laughs> Here, here's I, one thing you say about making football plausible. And I've growing up watching and going to football games for since middle school and all the way up to now. And this is the last game of the year for them, regular season, and it's the day after Thanksgiving. And growing up in Mississippi and going to football games in Mississippi, that was always the north half and south half state titles with the state championship game being the first weekend in in December. So how many rounds of playoffs are these guys going to have? And it's going to go literally up to Christmas Day, it seems like.
3: Well, they needed an excuse for every character on the show to be sitting Uh, around Taylor's house at the same time.
1: Which was a very awkward conversation to have there.
3: Um, Yeah. I guess so. You know how I wanted it to end?
1: With Landry throwing a pass?
3: No. Well, I predicted that, but I was halfway joking, but I really kind of thought they would. I did too. I I wanted Landry to make the field goal. And then, uh, then to be called for holding or something, and then have to wipe it out. That way, Landry still gets his glory, but they lose the game.
1: Yeah, see, when, that's what I was hoping for. When Vince came up to tell Coach, that, "I don't know if I can do this," and all, and then Coach gave his little, you know, two or three sentence pep talk. But he was—I was expecting him to say, "Put Landry in there." Okay, we'll put Landry in at quarterback, and you'll be able to, you know, run the, the whatever position, the H back, and you can do all your damage from there. I wouldn't. I not say I was expecting, but I would not have been surprised. And then I thought he was going to at least get in for a, a, some trick play again, but uh, they set us up wrong for that.
3: Well, the whole the whole scenario with Landry, where they they won't kick extra points the whole game, then he's like forty five yard field goal. Let's call Landry in. That, where, yeah, that just made no sense. No coach would really do that. Where's Especially my kicker? Once the, once the kicker says I can't make this, like Parcells yeah. was notorious for cutting kickers for making one mistake. I mean. That's just not how coaches behave toward kickers. If a kicker yeah. doesn't have his confidence, then there's no way they're putting him in. No way.
1: Well, Landry's been it's playing for him for his eighth grade.
2: It, it, yeah. it, seemed like, it seemed like an obvious ploy to have him have a field goal to win the game, too. In that situation, 24 to 20, in that situation, unless you are just desperate, unless you know your kicker is not going to make it, you. You don't go for two there. You try to get within three, right?
1: So you can tie it up like, later.
2: Yeah, like that. That was another thing that kind of drove me crazy. Is that he missed the, the extra point in the beginning. They went for two twice, and I mean, like that just yeah, that that really kind of bothered me too. And all in all, actually, I I don't really mind them. Well, I guess I do kind of mind them winning the game. Like, you know, it's something that we said shouldn't happen, can't happen. But I thought we got some cool moments, like the halftime thing where they're in it and, like, you know, coach just seems to be having fun again. Like, yeah, yeah. that was, that was cool to me.
1: Even the pregame speech um, I thought was good.
3: Yeah. Uh, the one of the practice field was better than the, like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's the one. That, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was the best one. But it was just, it was just a little too schmaltzy and cheesy, like, it was too much like a sports movie. What I always like about it, they've always been unsentimental about the football. Like players would fail. Who you? I mean, I mean, they paralyzed the best player on the team the first episode of the first season, and then you know Saracen came up short on on some thing, on some games, and they couldn't win the state championship one of the times they got there, and Saracen lost his starting quarterback job twice. So that made, all made sense because the most talented player was getting the quarterback job ahead of him. All of a sudden, Landry, who we have known has sucked. The whole time, all of a sudden, comes in for the most heroic moment. Like it just didn't
1: fit with me. Well, even speaking of Landry, he he was he played special teams, started special teams in the state championship game. You know, twelve months ago, and and he was uh-huh. he played either receiver or tight end, one or the other, and made some I won't say impressive catches, but at least some chain moving catches where they you know got first downs. And he doesn't get to play at all on offense. He's over there just you know. Thank you very much. It sounded like you know I thought that was a good call from uh, from Slam and Sammy. There you go. Thank you very much. But I thought that was still unrealistic. That he didn't get to be on the field at all as a senior for the for the Easton Lions after he played some. Yeah, for the it's like
3: the, it's like they reset history of his progression as a player because he was progressing to where he was getting better and better. Right at, at West Dillon, right. and then they were just like, we need to set up a moment where Landry can be the hero at the end of the year. So let's make him suck again.
1: I think he as yeah. a character guy short change it almost seems like got a little bit of a shaft most of the season and you know we talked about it. i think that some of that comes down to they had to have 13 episodes um that they crammed all of this into versus a full 22 and i think that's just one of the pitfalls
3: well what about the shocking ending of him and sarahson being a gay couple is, yeah. is that what <laughs> happened i didn't
1: understand
3: that's the impression i got but they're, i could be wrong they're
1: moving to chicago
3: it's like they both got dumped by women so that's like yeah, after Thanksgiving, He's still got another semester to finish his <laughs> senior year. Well,
1: he's got a couple more weeks before Christmas break, even, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I
2: thought. Well, I just thought it was. I just thought he was going to visit him for a little while or whatever. That's all I thought. Yeah. But he talked about who's going. I mean, right, maybe uh, they just get a elongated Christmas break and they just
3: sit around for a little while or something. I don't know. Well, that would be logical, but they added a kind of like a touch of finality to it where he's like, you know who else could have that ticket like it was such a big deal. Oh, you knew
1: who was going he's like, oh well, I, yeah. I, the, yeah the timeline of it did seem to kind of get to me again, like I said it's assumingly assumedly this is the uh the Saturday afterwards you know after thanksgiving yeah. um anyway.
3: Well, if I was Landry, Chicago would be the last place I want to go because for sure nobody knows who he is there. And he could revel in his celebrity for, uh, he could live off of kicking that game winning field goal for decades in that town.
1: Yeah, he already lost <laughs> to which we saw coming.
3: Let me tell you, in that football crazy town, he wouldn't have too much trouble getting another girl for being the big hero.
1: Speaking of girls, I was about to say maybe he could have you know his own fangirls with the rally girls, but the East Dillon cheerleaders, they had uniforms this time. Did you notice that?
3: Oh, I didn't notice.
1: Yeah, they had straight-up yeah. nice uniforms. I don't know if that was their cold-weather gear that they finally got to pull out or not, but... I think I'm not uh, sure if they were Under Armour or not, but Under Armour continues to make its its uh, presence known with jackets and and different jerseys and caps and everything.
2: I, I want some for real, like I want some Under Armour approved, like E filling jacket. I, 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 that would be something I'd wear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just would, I'd love it, man.
1: To be honest, I've looked just, around. There's not a lot of Good uh, clothing, shirts, jackets, caps, whatever that you can get from Friday Night Lights. It seems, or that I've I've come across.
2: I, I have a Panther football t-shirt that Anna, my wife, bought me from NBC, and it's a medium because I normally wear a medium, and it is like it is way too tight. It looks like an Under Armour shirt, although it's just like a regular cotton t-shirt. Yeah. It's it's very tiny. Um. And you're right. It's
1: not, it's not really the, but but there's some stuff on NBC, but then there's some stuff on like cafe press, which, you know, somebody in their basement decided to sketch up on um, MS paint or something. It looks like, so. All right. But I was, I was glad to see Saracen come back. And Of course, he was talking about his, uh, his place in Chicago and, and it's just a Greek town. There are a bunch of Greeks there. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's why they call it that. But, uh, I was I was impressed. I would have expected Julie to go. And I was kind of proud of her for saying no. But do we assume now, as she finishes up high school, that she is going to try to go do some habitat work, or is she still going to go up to Boston?
2: I'm sure they'll probably just ride her out and make a make a comment about her being gone. Well, they haven't said she's going to be gone next year.
1: I think I read somewhere that she would. Have, they would. She and Landry both would have similar story arcs that we saw with Smash and, and Street last year and. Uh, I guess, you know, with uh, just Matt was really the only one this year. But you can expect, you know, Tim, who haven't talked about Riggins, but we know that he's not going to be around much next year. But now knowing what his character is going through, how do you write somebody out when they're in prison? Do you just get to visit them from time to time? Or do they get to, you know, make a phone call? or how? I don't know. Uh, he could probably spend some time on the trustees picking up
2: trash on the side of the road and they just drive by him.
1: And Becky's like, hey, how you doing? Honk. It's good to see
2: you. He let and then how the be like, Riggins, get <laughs> to work.
1: <laughs> he didn't have a, a lot of lines in this episode. He mostly just sat there looking really conflicted.
3: Yeah, it was his we were supposed to read his angst through his hair and his eyes and all that kind of
1: stuff. His hair was, was uh it lost its luster too. It wasn't as shiny. I guess
3: uh, so. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm glad that I'm glad he's going to jail. I mean, it, virtually everything we said was going to happen happened. Right. And that kind of disappoints me because most of the stuff we predicted, we in the context of it. We were always like, "I hope this doesn't happen," but I bet it does. And all the stuff we hoped wasn't going to happen happened.
1: Well, I'll be honest. I, after I finished watching, I wanted to call you and say, "Listen, did you read like the script or some spoilers <laughs> or something?" Law.
3: <laughs> no, I've never. I don't even watch the previews. I either.
1: know. That's why it seems so. Wow. You know, but uh, thinking of of Riggins and his choice that
3: That's like that third thing that Lyle has been right about. Not to mention the Super Bowl, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of Riggins, do you think that he's looking at at the situation that Billy's in and realizing that Billy goes to jail now, that it'd be putting Stephen, Hannibal, in the same situation that he and and his brother have been in without a dad? Yeah.
2: That
1: was a really good scene between them. That was a really good scene between he and uh, and Billy, though, when Billy's like, I can't let you do this. And it seemed like the emotions was was as real as ever between the two of those guys right there.
3: Yeah, they're believable brothers. They're some of the most believable TV brothers probably ever. Since the Hacketts on Nantucket. <laughs> no, I mean, when they, when they wrestle around each other and give each other crap and all that kind of stuff, right. it, it seems real. And then the affection, but when they show it, it seems real, too.
1: I was going to go back to Just Willis like- and Arnold.
3: Yo, <laughs> yeah, that's another
1: good one too. I guess
2: just when they, just when they have, it's like when they have to too. That's why it's, it's like even in that they try not to be all emotional about him taking the fall or whatever. Yeah, that was pretty. Um, it's pretty sad. Yep. I got. I. I wasn't.
3: I don't know, moved or whatever by anything in this episode. I don't know why. They just didn't rope me in this time.
1: Like I said, that scene there did get me some um, between, the, between the Riggins brothers. Yeah. And, and you, um, can, you can still see Luke trying to get on a, a team somewhere, but can you really transfer from a public school to a private school mid season and get to play? Yeah, I think you can. Wow. I was not re- expecting that because I – you know, because they're trying to get him a scholarship to go play academy ball somewhere. Um, but I was still thinking he's going to play. There's no way he's not going to play.
2: Um, it just depends on how they're, like, governed. Um, because, like, in Tennessee, all the schools – like, in Mississippi, the private schools and the public schools play in, like, totally different – Um, like, they're in two different leagues, you know. But, it's, yeah. like, in Tennessee, the – they're all under the TSSAA, the okay. Secondary School Athletic Association, so it it wouldn't be able to happen in Tennessee because all those schools play each other. Um, I mean, it just I I would think that it would just depend.
1: But I don't even know but if I you could you- leave from Memphis and, and come straight to you know Tupelo. You know, you're going from a different state, different governing bodies, and everything. But usually, you can't just jump right in, especially at playoff time. Could you? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, anyway, I was glad to see that Luke did get to play, and apparently he looks like he's still pretty banged up and hurt after that touchdown run.
2: Uh, is he I mean, not on Isakon anymore? Like, did he just quit after I – mean, uh, I, right. uh, I mean, we talked about that, but, you know, I
3: saw, I kind
1: of thought that he was just taking it just to – was Wasn't
3: that, uh, what was that outside of Coach's character also to just completely do a 180? He be like, okay, you can play.
1: Yeah, I think he was testing his dedication. But no, I think uh, I think Luke is on human growth hormone now. He he stepped it yeah, up a level.
3: It's pretty untailored like to allow an injured player to go play. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. I mean, he's got a serious injury.
1: He never let Street go back out there.
3: Maybe he was. Oh. Go out. <laughs> no, he never did. But
1: Uh-oh. has he had other injured players before? Be it besides Street.
3: Um, I, I don't
1: know. Uh, I can't think of one. So I don't know if there's really a precedent there to, to stand beside.
3: We haven't
2: dealt with any, like, major injuries. any, like, characters that we know about,
1: at least. Right, right. We have an interview with her coming up uh, after our episode discussion, but uh, Madison Burch, who plays Becky, but what did you think of Becky coming at, Tim, and basically saying, you're, you're nothing but a liar. You filled me up with these expectations, and... You know, you, my mom was right. You're not going to mouth to anything. I thought that's pretty cold of her.
3: Well, what expectations uh, did Tim Riggins, I mean, project? <laughs> he <laughs> lived in a trailer and drank beer, <laughs> and that was it. And she, I mean, why, why does that lead you to believe he's some upstanding guy?
1: He just bought 25 acres.
3: Yeah, that, warning uh, flags. Warning flags should have been raised all over Dylan.
1: <laughs> and they were.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh...
2: He, um, I just thought that was her being, you know, crazy teenager too. True. I mean, she's kind of snake-headed, you
1: know? I mean, she had a car again, or not again. She had a car for the first time because, you know, usually she had well, to get Tim to give her a ride to school, and now she's got her own car. I don't know if she's driving Cheryl's around, but, uh, you know, when he came back and said, "We give me a second chance, and he gave her the magic snow globe that we talked about last week, but, uh, I could almost see once he gets out of the you know penitentiary that uh, they get together.
3: Um, well, yeah. she'll be legal then.
1: <laughs> one to five. That's a pretty broad range, one to five years.
2: Uh, it's not yeah. that far off. You know, Yeah. sometimes you just don't know how long people are going to go in.
1: We haven't talked about Tammy yet, but uh, I kept thinking last week that she was not going to read it, and then I saw her... You know, going through and practicing in front of the bathroom mirror, I still, I thought, man, she's really going to do it. And, you know, last week, some people had said, and I think one of you guys had said that she will just to save her job and to save her family. And then we threw out the unless, but then she stepped up there and closed it and walked off. Um, her lawyer buddy was ready to, you know, to fight fire with fire and, and go after it. But, uh, she's going to end up at East Dillon now working with, uh, principal Levi and, uh, coach Taylor. Yeah. So I guess we'll
3: never see West Dillon again.
1: Yeah, you'd have to wonder.
3: I mean, and maybe they'll be like the new Arnett Mead. They'll just get mentioned once a year. Oh, the big game against Wes Dillon. Yeah. Um,
1: because we won't have any characters that, that go over there besides J.D. that we know of.
3: And they've kind of phased him out a little bit already. And I'm not even
1: sure he was really in the in the episode, was he?
3: Um, what? I think it just showed him running around.
1: I mean, of course, he got angry with his offensive lineman, but we never saw him with his helmet off. So I wonder if Jeremy Sumter was even a part of the episode.
3: I, th- I think they showed him without his helmet on one.
1: Did they? Okay.
3: Yeah, they showed him and Vince shake hands or something, didn't they? Oh. No, they yeah, showed two the coaches. I was trying to think.
2: Yeah, because they said, because they made a comment about um,
3: these two quarterbacks who led their team to victory or whatever.
1: Oh, that was ahead yeah, of. Did uh, a, yeah, that was a, the prep rally.
3: Yeah, it made me mad because it made me mad that McCoy is a sophomore and he's captain of the team.
1: Okay, that was <laughs> I that don't think that outside. would happen either. Hey, if Joe I'm McCoy with, with
3: yeah. coach.
1: Yeah, Joe McCoy hired your coach. He could do that easily.
3: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. I, not, keep no no the, uh, I keep forgetting that Dylan is the I keep forgetting that West Dillon is the the U of a uh, Texas high school football now. <laughs> it's just a lawless yeah. outlaw program.
1: Have we ever heard Dude. it called West Dillon? No.
3: Yeah, I don't know. is
1: it just Dillon and East Dillon? Because I've called it West Dillon all season, but I started thinking about this this week. It's just Dillon High and East Dillon High, right? Like Virginia and West Virginia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you saying,
2: Bryce? Um. No, I'm just saying there's no way that town wouldn't turn on the McCoys. Like, at least a little bit. They, I, Just think about, all right, Lyle, if Ole Miss ran nut out of town, and I, I mean, I can't, I hired somebody just because of a couple of recruits or something like that. New Heisel. New, yeah. New Heisel or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then they went like five and seven and didn't make it to a bowl or like six and six maybe. And the next year, and there was obvious like chaos. And then they lost to state with Nutt as the coach.
3: Like, well, I look at it. Think. Well, look at it another way. Arkansas ran nut off, and they haven't turned on anybody. And they're worse without him. And they have worse recruiting classes. And nuts beat them twice in a row. That's and true. And they still they haven't turned on anybody up there. They still believe sure. nut is the devil. Yep. So once you get it in that your means- head like that, they can they can all hate Taylor for the rest of his life.
1: Well, that was one thing. You got to see him finally enjoying the uh, the talk radio as he drove around in his car the day after. Usually, the well, that car, was, was my, that radios, was my favorite scene.
3: Them. My favorite scene was when he just looked over at the trophy and then just kind of smirked as he was riding down the road. Well,
1: I thought it was funny that he's still driving around with it in his car.
3: I think that was well, great because he that makes it. He's so political. He never speaks out in public about how much stuff like that means to him. So that was a good moment to just show how much it really did mean to him.
2: Yeah.
1: So we haven't I like that
2: seen too because I was kind of uh, upset because player and Sammy was going pretty crazy for East Dillon in the win at the you know the night before, uh-huh. and I was like I was kind of mad. I was like, "There's no way he'd be that happy about for East Dillon winning." And then he said, "Hey, I'm I might have become an East Dillon fan or whatever." I was like, "Oh." it makes a little more sense, but he like ripped up to it.
1: Everybody so the loves The kind of
2: thing about up. the show that I still love is that we, sometimes when you raise questions like that, like there's really no way that he'd be that excited. The next, like the next day, it's like a throwaway comment and they explain, you know, stuff like that without having to be too forthright uh, about it.
1: Well, even thinking yeah. of, uh, of buddy Garrity, you know, we talked to Brad Leland a week or so ago and, uh, just mentioned the, uh, the fact that we haven't been able to see Garrity Motors. And we saw a brief shot of it, but it was you know big red lions all across the front. And he took a big shift. And so maybe Slammy Sammy is taking a little bit of a, a shift as well.
3: Hey, speaking of the interview with Brad Leland, maybe I was a little star-struck tru- and wasn't really focusing. But how did we not make a bigger deal about him having a pet monkey named Miko in Japan when he was a little kid? <laughs> I wonder I if, if I, to that afterwards. I'm like, now how come we didn't get him into uh, tell us a little bit more? He had a pet monkey named Miko in Japan. Is, are bizarre. you talking about because
1: it's so close to the name Minka?
3: No, that's just <laughs> no. How many people do you know in Japan with pet monkeys?
1: I know zero people in Japan. I do know one person. <laughs> there's a veterinarian in town who has a pet monkey, and it hates kids, and it will bite them if you let, if it gets out of the cage.
3: I, that just that was completely bizarre. Uh, Buddy Garrity had a great look of triumph on his face when uh, the field goal fell through the uprights there at the end.
1: Everybody you did. Yeah. Tell he
3: was very happy.
1: You know who I missed though. Was uh, was Jess's dad, Virgil? Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's been absent for the last what three episodes, I guess.
3: I like uh, I like the church sign uh, celebrating each villain also. Did you, did you pick did up on too.
1: that? Yeah, because it had the. Uh, it was the guy with one of the main boosters, is Deacon. That was the guy's name. Yeah.
3: What did it say? I can't even remember what it said. That something a line was a li- was yeah, something like that. It was for, it's uh oh, Sam and uh, slam and Sammy, he's like uh, Charlie from Charlie's Angels. We know his voice like intimately, but we'll never see his face.
1: Yeah, because we got to see uh Willie Galt, he and Buddy, but I remember reading though honestly that uh I don't know about this season but in seasons before the guy has done all that voice work for uh, Slam and Sammy without ever being there in Austin. He's always just done it as as contract work and has showed up on the uh, on, on the television show just because he recorded it in a studio somewhere and there, and then they just you know mailed it in.
3: No, I figured it was gonna be some writer or a friend of a producer or something like that.
1: Now the guy that does uh, that that plays Willie Gault, he is one of the writers and producers of the show. So he is one of the main main guys that played Willie Galton. I think he was one. He one of the ones sitting around the table last week, and that was the one that Eric turned to and goes, "It's more than a game because my families are getting you know threats and blah 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 uh, and everything." Just so don't, so you don't tell me that it's just a game.
3: Oh, I didn't even notice. So let's talk about Taylor's uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Just, was that not the most randomly thrown together thing? Like, why would they have that group of people there?
1: I think because they wanted to invite the Riggins, and then by default now, the Colettes are a part of the Riggins family. And then I don't know why Grandma Saracen and Matt were just assumingly going to show up, or at least least Grandma Saracen. Um, And then Buddy got to come because Eric invited him. But we did get some Gracie time.
3: That seemed like a ridiculous gimmick to get everybody there for the last episode.
1: But we're still missing Tyra and missing uh, Lila.
2: Yeah, I can um I can kind of understand that because really like, I mean all they were they, they said something when they invited grandma over they said hey we're inviting grandma over just because she was gonna be by herself because right
1: yeah because Shelby she wouldn't go
2: there. and say you're you gonna be by yourself come over, and then I mean I guess I, I I'm still kind of fuzzy on how close they are to the Regan because they went to the wedding last year, but they were like, why are we at this wedding? Maybe they wanted to invite him or I don't know.
1: I think it's just a way to get everybody there.
3: Yeah. The The Regans have their own uh, little family. Like uh, the Regans have their own little family. Why? I mean, it's not like they're alone. There's a father and a wife and a mother, you know, I mean, and a baby. And I didn't understand it.
1: I, I know it's contractual things, but, uh, with movies and whatever, but for at least even Tyra not to call in or something on Thanksgiving, when she goes to school, you know, what, two and a half, three hours away, it's still seen out of place.
2: Um, she has kind of disappeared. Yeah. At least for them to even mention how oh, Tyra had, you know, it would be if she's like, Tyra's at the, you know, sure. Texas A&M game or something like that, you know, she decided to go to the football
3: game this year or something.
1: Yeah, she went to you know, Corpus Christi.
3: Um, I will say, say this. Grandma's right. Deep fried turkey is the way to go.
1: <laughs> I don't, she didn't realize that she was uh, pretty much slamming on uh, Tammy's turkey.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hate it for Tammy, but deep fried turkey is the way to go.
2: Uh, it is much better than like regular cooked turkey
3: in the oven. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. I thought that they were going to invite Vince when he when he asked Vince, you know, what he's doing for Thanksgiving or whatever. I felt sure that they were going to invite Vince and Vince's mom. Oh well, that was, I guess, the only person they couldn't squeeze in the house. Don't you
2: love it how, um, like, how abrupt the like the ending between Vince and or uh, between Landry and Jess was? I mean, you you kind of saw it coming because of the history that she had with Vince or whatever, but it was just all of a sudden. I have feelings for Landry, or I have feelings for Vince, and then Landry kind of uh, gets in Vince's grill about it, and then that was it. I I mean, that that was, like, it.
1: I think the two funniest things are when he he hands her the the CD, and he goes, you get to figure out which one is for you. She goes, "Uh, song for Jess. That or when Matt comes to talk to uh, Landry. When Matt comes to talk to Landry, and he's like, oh, you know, hey, I'm Landry. I used to be your best friend. You never called me. He shuts the door, and Matt walks away and goes, just like a girl.
3: Yeah, that was pretty good.
2: I like the end, too, when he's when like, yeah, whatever. We can be friends. Did you see my field goal?
1: Well, 75 72, yards.
2: 72 yards, field goal. <laughs> it was a miracle. He goes,
1: might as uh, well
2: have been 72. It would have been just as believable as 72 or 45.
1: Probably right. Well, before we get to the the, uh, interview, is there anything else?
3: I think that covers it.
1: Well, we'll do the interview. We'll look through a couple of uh, emails we got. And then um, next week, we'll probably try to record just a recap of the season itself as we look back. All the way from when East Dillon opened its doors and the uh, the Panthers had their first practice up until now. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to talk with Madison Bird, who plays Becky Sproles. Uh, and as a character who pretty much has had pretty much all of her interaction, either with Luke or Tim. Um, but she had a lot to, uh, to, to share and talk about. And so here's the interview with Madison. And now we are going to be talking with Madison Burge, who plays Becky Sproles, one of the new characters this season for season four of Friday Night Lights. How are you doing, Madison?
0: I'm doing great. How are you? We're
1: doing very very well, very well. So uh, um, as we mentioned before we started recording, Becky has been going through a lot of things the past two or three episodes, and she's, she's gotten more and more screen time, obviously, as well. But um, has that been pretty exciting?
0: Oh, yeah. It's been really cool. Um, I really like that I got a, a challenge with my role and that, um, it wasn't just about, I guess the guy that I was dating or anything like that and that they really did choose to kind of expand that character. Right. Um, so it's definitely cool. It's definitely, um, really great when I do get a lot of screen time and stuff like that, just cause when I was going into this, I didn't really know how big it was going to be, like how big my part was going to be. I didn't want to get my hopes up. Right. Um, But it's honestly, it's turned out to be like so much more than I thought it would be. So I everything's so great. I just I love the show.
1: Well, that was one of the questions I had like a year ago this time. You were still finishing up high school and then now fast forward a year. You are on one of the more critically acclaimed television shows. Your role has been uh, elevated to one that's a lot of things going on. Could you imagine a year ago this time what you'd be doing?
0: Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I mean, I always would have hoped that something like this would happen. Uh-huh. And I've always, like, I've obviously always kind of dreamed about how cool it would be to, you know, be able to audition for something. And, you know, how, like, on, like, E! True Hollywood Story, whenever they talk about someone getting a role, they're like, and that person was just, they were just perfect for the part, you uh-huh. know? Well, I wanted someone to say that about me, about something, you know? <laughs> and, um so I had always thought about how cool it would be to have that accomplishment under my belt and everything like that. Um, but I don't know, I guess I didn't really fully believe it was possible, but then when all this happened, it just kind of took me by surprise, but I was like, you know what? That just lets me know that this is what I was meant to do right. and everything. So yeah, I'm so thankful for this opportunity.
1: Did you watch or were you a fan of the show before you even started reading or, or your agent brought you this, uh, this script?
0: Um, well, I've auditioned for the show a couple times um, since it is cast around Austin, too. Um, mm-hmm. Never got a part, obviously, um, until now. And then um, a lot of my friends watched it. But I was really bad at remembering when shows came on. <laughs> and so, like, I've, I have would see a couple episodes, but I would always be so lost because, you know, there's a lot of drama that goes on. And so I'm like, wait, who's sleeping with who? Right. And how'd that dude get in a wheelchair? And, <laughs> like, all this stuff. So I didn't... Really, wa- Like, I wasn't a big fan of the show or anything, um, but I had heard a lot about it. A lot of my friends really liked it. And then um, once I actually did get the part, I started from season one and became addicted. <laughs> and I was, t- like, when I had the cast dinner where I got to meet, like, Kyle and everyone, right. I was like dying inside, like super fan mode. Like, Oh my God, Connie Britton sitting at the same table as me. Oh my God. (laughs) Chandler just said hi to me. Like, yeah, I definitely had that moment.
1: (laughs) Tell tell me about your audition. Did you get to audition in front of Peter Berg? Was he the one, he's the one that usually decides who does and doesn't actually make the, the cast, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I auditioned in front of, um, Peter Berg and Jason Kadams. Um, they, Peter created the show and, um, Him and Jason produce it, and they're just in charge, basically. They have a lot of titles, but they're in charge. They're the men in charge. And so um, I auditioned in front of them and with uh, Linda Lowy. She's the casting director out in LA that works on the show. And um, Taylor was in there. He was in my screen test. And it's funny because I actually didn't know who he was. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of like roll in. I'm like, okay, cool. So you're gorgeous. I'm nervous. Whatever. But um, the audition was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't like any screen test I'd ever done before. There was so much improv. Um, Pete would just literally make up situations and be like, okay, so he's taking you to school and you see this guy that you had history with and he's just a psycho and you want to go home. So freak out. And he'd be like, okay, go. And so like, we would just have to, on the fly, think of something logical to say going with that. Situation. And so, like, he definitely, it was definitely, like, jumping through hoops. Um, And they were like, will you sing? And I'm like, sure. No, they asked if I could sing. And I'm not much of a singer, but I was like, I will sing. (laughs) And so, like, they had me do the national anthem and all this stuff. And so, it was definitely, like... Kind of a test of endurance and kind of seeing, like, if you would crack under pressure. Right. Um, But it was great. I had a blast during the audition. And I got to miss my flight. So I ended up having to stay another night in Los Angeles, which was nice. So, Was
1: that your first time in L.A.?
0: Mm. No, it was my second. Um, We'd been once before with my friend and her dad. Um, We went on vacation for spring break, like, a couple years before that. But it was my second time. So it was definitely... Cool, because it was my first time to go out there for anything acting-related, because I've never been out for pilot season or anything.
1: Now, you said that all your, your friends were fans of the show before. Now, are they big Becky fans? Do they all, all gather together to watch on Wednesday nights and have a beer? <laughs> Or is it Because I'm sure if, if a good friend of mine ended up being on a show that I was a huge fan of, I would be bugging them for details. I'd be wanting all the inside scoop. Hey, let me come over, especially if it, it was being filmed in my hometown.
0: <laughs> right. Know,
1: so Do they do they just idolize you now? Not idolize, but do they you know, talk a lot about the show to you?
0: No. Um, I mean, some of my friends that are fans of the show, like they'll ask about it and stuff like that, but they don't really want me to tell them anything because they want to see it for themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, a lot of my friends don't have direct TV. And so the ones that do will watch it and be like, hey, so I saw you on TV. It was really cool. And then some of them like, are just kind of waiting until summer like everyone else. But um. It's kind of a funny story because this guy that I went to um, high school with, his name's Blake, and him and one of my other friends were coming over to hang out with me, and um, he's a big fan of the show. And I went to high school with this kid. Like, Well, I went to a private school that was pre-K through 12, so I went to school with this kid since I was like eight, right? Okay. And so my friend Alex said that when they left that he was like, I can't believe that I just hung out with Madison Burge from Friday Night Lights. And she was like, Blake. You've known her since y'all were eight. Y'all went to school together forever. And he's like, I know, but now she's on Friday Night Lights. It's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's some friends that, like, think it's kind of weird. And they're like, whoa, like, this, like, I can say that I know you, but it's like, it's kind of dumb. Cause I'm like, I mean, guys, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, it's cool. But yeah, so that's a little bit of my friend's kind of reaction to this whole thing. But they definitely like saying, like, in public places, like, oh, how's work on that TV show that you're on? And it's like, guys, stop.
1: please. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I don't want people to hear you.
1: So when you end up getting the role, did you know very early on, like Becky's story art, did you realize that she would end up, you know, being a, having the choices she had to make with the pregnancy, with adoption, with abortion and all those things, did they let you in early on all that would go on? Or is it just kind of a, a brief sketch of the character?
0: Um, They did. Um, I talked to Jason before we started filming, and um, he's the head writer, Jason Tatums, and um, he kind of told me, um, he gave me an outline basically of kind of what Becky and Tim's relationship was, and then what the whole thing that happens between me and Luke, and then he did say like, oh, and then like she gets pregnant, and I'm like, okay, well then she'll probably have an abortion, right? And he was like, oh, well yeah, and so like, from the very beginning, I knew where it was going, and um, so I had a lot of time to kind of, like, sit with it and think about how I wanted to go about playing mm-hmm. that struggle and that decision because there is no easy decision when it comes to a situation like that. Right. And, like, a lot of people, I feel like, would probably say, oh, well, Becky just took the easy way out, and that's just selfish. But, like it really isn't the easy way out. And that's still something that she's going to have to live with. And, um, so I'm really glad that I knew ahead of time and really got to kind of sit with it and like, put myself like, not, (laughs) I didn't put myself in that situation, but (laughs) (laughs) imaginatively speaking, I put myself in that situation and, you know, like I come from a family with a lot of girls and so that's definitely happened with, um, a lot of people that I'm close to. Mm-hmm. And um, so that situation really hits home for me. And it was really, really, I was really honored that I got to do that storyline.
1: Yeah. One of the things that w- the guys that I do the podcast with, we were talking about leading up to, when we found out that Becky was pregnant, we were wondering how, how is Friday Night Lights going to handle the situation? Because, you know, usually you don't see, Those choices be made usually So either a, they end up carrying the baby or B, there's a miscarriage. And so, but I was, I was really, I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was really interested to see how Friday night lights would handle it. And then they went ahead with abortion. And now we're seeing some of the repercussions of that with, uh, with Luke's mom getting very upset with, with, uh, you know, you can look at the previews even for the coming weeks. We see that there's going to be a huge stir, I guess, within the community itself because of that. And so I, I think the writers have been doing a great job with that.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think that it's totally realistic the way people react to Tammy and stuff like that. Um, I mean yeah, Tammy. Uh Um, Because not necessarily that she did because she didn't do anything wrong and she did follow procedure and stuff like that. But in like conservative small town Texas, that is how people react. And whether or not something is against the rules, they can try and get authority figures fired for things that I don't know, like I really do feel like, in the context of the show and stuff like that, I feel like Principal Taylor definitely did the absolute right thing. Like she didn't tell Becky which like what she should do. She mm-hmm. just gave her her options and was like, "You have to make the decision, but I don't think you're a bad person for making a tough decision. And um so I don't know, I think it's really great, and um I definitely think it's realistic the way people react to the whole abortion scandal because people do get like really upset over it and um people have really strong opinions about it but yeah
1: i was wondering (laughs) do you know from your? i know one of the things that the writers chose not to show or if they did film it it got cut but they didn't show the conversation that becky had with luke's mom and i've i've wondered if do we know even if did becky say principal taylor told me this is what i should do or do you think luke's mom just kind of took the worst case scenario and want to make a big deal of it? Or is that something we, I'm even supposed to know at this point?
0: Um, well, they didn't actually f- keep filming that scene between me and Luke's mom. It stops where you see it. Stop. Okay. But, um, the way I kind of pictured it was just that, um, Luke's mom comes. Um, I feel like she's really honest and that. She just wants to know, like, what like how becky's handled everything and what made her make the decision she made and stuff and i think that becky probably told her that she did talk to miss taylor mm-hmm. and like the way i pictured it isn't that she was like oh well miss taylor told me to go have an abortion or anything like that but i feel like she said like i was really confused and i went and talked with miss taylor about it and she told me these were my options and i just felt this was my only way out and so i think that maybe luke's mom and kind of like she's hurt like as in like in her eyes and in all actuality, like that was her grandchild that she never even got a chance to know about before the decision was made. And so I can see why um, a mother would be really upset in that situation because she didn't have any sort of say in some, in like a part of like a continuation of her family. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I don't think Becky pointed fingers at Miss Taylor at all. Um, I would have
1: expected that either.
0: No. Yeah. And I definitely think that Becky would probably be surprised by like, the way people are reacting towards Miss Taylor, and honestly, I think like knowing the way just Becky is, um, she feel like she would feel really guilty about that, and she would feel like it's her fault that this woman's getting in trouble just for helping her, like. Becky's kind of in a situation where it's like she can't do anything right right now, you know. Yeah,
1: I'm wondering what's going to happen with her. Just if if all this stir is going to come up, you know, towards you know Tammy Taylor. I'm wondering if the community itself is going to end up knowing, oh, this is the girl. And I know you can't say right now, but I'm just I'm concerned for her that she's about to be pulled into this big political press storm that's going to be you know brewing there too. So she's got a lot of pressure on her still, it seems.
0: Oh, definitely. Well, and especially in like a situation like this, and it's like an incredibly political situation, like people forget that there's people involved, like that there's a person's life at stake and there's a person's reputation at stake and there's someone's livelihood and just the way they view themselves. And so even though someone may have like a strong opinion on abortion, calling a girl who has one a baby killer isn't the right way to handle it. You know what I mean? mean Like. And so I'm like, I really, really like the way the shows handled it. I think they handled it with a lot of grace and a lot of class. And I don't know. I really hope people, I hope it, I hope it might open some people's eyes to kind of show both sides of the story of that. It's not just cut and dry and it's not like everyone who's pregnant needs to give their baby up for adoption or everyone who's pregnant needs to have an abortion. It's not that it's, someone's in a situation you can't understand it besides that person and they're the only person that can make that decision
1: yeah i think uh matt laurie did a great job too from i guess an outside character he's inside to a degree but it was still madison's i mean was still becky's choice but he could tell that he was wanting to be supportive and involved as much as as becky would allow him to but i I thought he did a great job in showing the the struggles that in the thoughts and the burdens that he himself were had to carry through that. And I was expecting him, I guess, you know, he called you after you had the procedure done. And when you let him know, and I was expecting him just to take that the phone and just chunk it across the front yard as hard as he could. Cause I could tell he had a lot of built up frustration and tension as well. So I thought he did a good job and the scenes yeah. that the two of you've had together were great.
0: Yeah, he did great. And he really like, I love the way they had, like, Luke kind of handling the situation of trying to, like, be there and stuff like that. And, like, me and Matt talked a lot when before we did, like, our scenes, like, when we were talking on the truck and stuff like that. And, like, we kind of talked about where both of us were coming from. And, like, Luke, of course, he doesn't want to be a dad. And he doesn't want to have to take on this responsibility. But he kind of figures that's what he has to do now. Like, it's time for him to step up. It's time for him to be a man, but then Becky's not letting him. And so that's definitely like a really frustrating place. I'm sure for him to be in. Cause he just feels helpless. Like he doesn't have a say in his child. And then when he tries to, it's kind of, I think Becky's kind of shocked that Luke's actually a really nice guy and he's actually really considerate. And he's not just a jerk. Like most of the other guys she knows. Right. And, yeah, but I love Matt. He's amazing. Love what he does with Luke. So Great t- guy.
1: tell me about tell me about Becky's mom, Cheryl. Uh, is she is she a crazy lady? Not talking oh, about, I, not Alicia I, Witt, but just about Cheryl.
0: It's funny because Alicia Witt is so far from Cheryl. She's the polar opposite of Cheryl, but she does her so well. And like me and her talked about it, and she kind of sees Cheryl as like one of those moms that tries to be, like, really open with her daughter and stuff like that. And, like, I think they probably get mistaken for sisters, and she likes it, you know? Uh Um, But Cheryl's great. I think she's just – she's trying the best she can. Like, she's trying to raise a kid on her own, make ends meet. Um, She's doing it by herself. She gets lonely sometimes, you know? So I think um, Cheryl's a really easy character to judge, but she's a really difficult – character to fully understand I think but I think Alicia is absolutely great she's a wonderful actress I always tell her that she's my hero I want to be just like her when I grow up I love Alicia and yeah she's she's, she's, awesome.
1: she's a great singer as well right
0: oh my gosh yeah she is she plays the piano and she sings um she's starting to play a lot more shows like around LA and stuff like that oh my god she's amazing you should look her up
1: <laughs> I've been to myspace before and listened to a few things and I haven't listened her whole catalog, obviously, but at the same time, she's, she's talented. I, I would agree.
0: Oh yeah. She's super talented, super sweet. She's like, she's one of the nicest, like most caring people I've ever met. So I really like Alicia Witt.
1: <laughs> That's one of the questions I had about, about Becky though, was Becky knew her first introduction that I know of at least with Tim Riggins was when she got Tim up or Tim was leaving the the uh, the house after he had, you know, got picked up by, by Cheryl at the bar yeah. the night before. <laughs> but then Becky herself is in pursuit of Tim. And I wonder just kind of her mindset of going, well, here's, you know, this guy slept with my mom, but now I, I think I like him as well. Did that ever seem odd to you?
0: Um, <laughs> it's funny, but I mean... <laughs> And I guess when you lay it out like that, it is kind of strange, but I think like that Becky doesn't really think of it like that just because her mom like does hook up with so many dudes. It's just kind of like, Oh, so you're one that got roped in too. And then it's like a, definitely a different situation with him living (laughs) at my house in the
1: backyard basically.
0: Yeah. And, um, I don't know, like you definitely kind of see sort of a one-sided, um, Relationship with Becky and Tim as far as like it's usually Becky in pursuit of Tim and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you can totally tell that Tim has to have some soft spot in his heart for Becky right. or else he might like, you know, like be doing an interview with her. Like he wouldn't have asked for her help on an interview if he didn't actually like her, yeah. you know.
1: And even that, this past week's episode, I almost thought when, when Becky came back after after he'd gotten thrown out and, and Cheryl said, you know, you're, no good. You're never meant to anything You're just like every other piece of crap guy I've ever known. And yeah. Becky goes and finds Tim and says, no, that's not who you are. You, you know? And we basically went through a list of all the things he'd done for her. And I tell the kids did a great job too. I, I was seeing his eyes. I was thinking he's about to call her back. He's about to say, come here, but, <laughs> but he didn't. And, and, um, and I, I could see Becky looking back at him, like ask me to walk back over there too. It seemed like, but, uh,
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and like, cause Yeah, it kind of seems weird because it's like, God, Becky, stop jumping on Tim. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, he's living at her house, and they're kind of in this weird situation to where it's like she's definitely attracted to him. He might be a little bit attracted to her, but he feels like he shouldn't be and that it's, like, inappropriate – but then they kind of also have a brother-sister thing going on. So they, right. they just have like a really complicated relationship where the lines are always really blurred. And I think Becky doesn't know what to think of it. And I think Tim doesn't know what to think of it. But they still stay friends because I feel like they really do understand each other in the sense that like Tim was raised by his brother who was trying to be his dad and it didn't really work out. Right. And then Becky is being raised by her mom who likes to act like her sister and it's not really working out. And so he realizes kind of, like, how lonely she is, I think. I think and he's lonely, too. Yeah, because he's lonely, too. But I also think it's kind of good for to see Tim kind of stepping into more of, like, a um, platonic role yeah. <laughs> with a girl um, because it's usually someone that he's has, like, romantic interest in. And, yeah, him and Becky kind of have some times where they kiss or whatever. But for the most part, like – their relationship is really genuine and I feel like it's really solid. But um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Becky and Tim. It's all very complicated.
1: <laughs> well, well, I'll admit on the front end, I was always thinking, Tim, no, don't, don't. She's still in high school. She's, you know, she's too
0: young. <laughs> but,
1: but in all honesty, you know, I, I was talking with some the guys that we did the podcast with and we were saying, you know, in reality, he would have been a senior when Becky was a freshman. And I'm not saying that's the most common age difference but i'm I, growing up myself and i've known plenty of other people where you would have people who were a senior that dated a freshman or a sophomore and it wasn't that big of a deal but for, for some reason for us watching the tv show we almost think of him as more of an adult when in Dillon, texas he's probably still 19 maybe 20 years old
0: yeah well that's probably because he always has a beer in his hand
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly he never has any trouble buying beer he or
0: luke it seems right um but yeah um it's kind of interesting uh, with that whole, like, he he's too old for her and stuff like that. Because, yeah, I definitely don't think that it's a big deal because whenever I was, like, in high school and stuff like that, like, I was usually dating, like, seniors and stuff like that. And so I'm like, I don't get why people think this is strange because it's right. kind of normal for me and, like, a lot of my girlfriends, like, usually date older boys. And so... I don't really think anything of it, but I guess, yeah, socially it is a little bit unacceptable.
1: <laughs> and I wonder, too, people but, that have been watching Friday Night Lights from the beginning, they thought Tim was a senior in, in season one. And so he's, yeah. a, he's a senior for like three years, I guess. And so I think <laughs> he's that, a
0: super senior, a super duper senior. That, well, that may and like, apply
1: to it as well.
0: Girls mature faster than boys, too. So I have a feeling that that has something to do with it.
1: <laughs> I can see that. I can see that
0: yeah (laughs) so
1: you've done you've done some stage stuff earlier on and then some independent films but this is your first major role what what have you learned most do you think over these 13 episodes of Friday Night Lights
0: oh god um I've learned a lot (laughs) I've learned when it's good to improv and when it's not good to improv Mm -hmm. um I've learned um I've really kind of just found my own process throughout this whole thing because I don't really have like any one technique that I subscribe to or anything um never really ha- like i've never really had any sort of a uh, process for the roles i do i just kind of go about it differently depending on the person i'm playing
2: right
0: um and so with this it was kind of cool seeing how the other actors work and how they kind of break down their scenes and stuff like that but the most important thing i probably learned was you have to be on when they're ready for you to be on. Like you will get there and you'll sit around and wait for a couple hours and they're like, all right, we're ready for your scene. And then you got to be there and you got to be ready to perform and you have to do it to the best of your abilities because like they have a schedule to maintain and things like that. And so it's like if you're not doing like your best every single take, then you'll probably end up with like a bad take or something like that. And so really the best thing I've learned is just to – be completely focused when I'm on set and kind of just let every, like shut everything out and things like that. And just focus when it's my time to work because I want to have a good finished product.
1: So adding all these new characters into you being one of those into the mix and, and Friday night lights, having some characters, you know, say their goodbyes as they're transitioning off. Was it difficult for you as a new character to kind of feel a part of the overall I guess Friday Night Light's family. Because uh, that was some of the, the I guess nervousness that we as fans had. How are they gonna make A a new school, B these new characters feel like we've known them for a while? And I think they've done a great job.
0: Yeah. Um I really liked the way they did they did the transition of just having a completely different school. I think that was a really good idea. Um but The first night that we had, like, our cast dinner and stuff like that and when everyone kind of, like, got to know each other and stuff, um, it was me and Michael – Michael B. and uh, Matt and Journey after dinner and we were all just kind of, like, walking back to our cars, like, the the newbies together and we all totally had a freak out moment where we were just like, oh, my God, can you believe that we're a part of this? And, like, can you believe those people and stuff because – Peter and everyone just said, this is your show now. There is no hierarchy. There are no superstars. There are no divas. Like Y'all are all on the same playing field. It wasn't like, this is anyone else's show more than yours because they've been on it longer. It was, we're all a part of this show, and we're going to win awards this year and stuff. And so really, like, it just made me feel like I was part of a team and a part of a family for sure. And um, I don't know... um, Like, some of the other characters and stuff like that as well, because I don't act with, like, Amy and stuff like that. But I'd really like to get to know her better. But everyone was super nice coming into it. No one at all was, like, oh, new kids or anything like that. And especially, like, with me, because I was really intimidating. Because, like, I was really intimidated because um, even the new people have a lot of film and TV credits, like – Jeremy Smollett was on Full House when she was younger, and you know what I mean? Like, she's been in this business for a really long time, and she has a lot of credits, and she's really talented, and so it was definitely a little bit intimidating for me coming into it, because it's like, I did theater at my high school, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and they would, um, like, talk about all these times when they were on set and stuff like that, and, like, I was like, oh, well, I was on a short film one time, and yeah. I didn't my- makeup, like in the bathroom. (laughs) You know what I mean? I changed in a car. (laughs) That was my dressing room. And so, um, it was a little bit intimidating, but everyone was really nice. Everyone was really supportive. Everyone was really helpful. Like if I have a question or anything like that. Um, so no, I didn't ever feel like I was kind of the new kid or on the outside. Everyone was really welcoming from the get go.
1: So now that you've got some experience, what's next? Do you have other projects that you, you have aspirations to or in the works there? Do we, can you say if we expect to see Becky in season five or,
0: um, you can expect to see Becky in season five. Okay, great. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and as far as other projects go, um, Right now we're on hiatus, so I'm like being put on tape for things like that. But no, I don't have any projects really in the works right now. But I'm thinking about producing a film this summer um, while I'm working on the show because um, I did some film classes when I was back in high school, and like we had to like make our own short films and stuff. Right. And so, um, and I really like I was going to go to film school at University of North Texas before I got the part. And so I figure best film school is to make your own film. So I think I might do that and, um, do it locally, like around Austin and stuff like that. And hire, like hire, like local actors There's and cool. everything like that. And just kind of, I really want to represent the area and represent the film scene around here because it really is great. And I feel like sometimes it is a little bit underrated and people don't give enough credit to the film scene in Austin. Um, Especially because with this show, uh, the majority of the crew is from Austin, they're all local hires local people, and they're amazing, they're so professional, they're so creative, they're so nice, like I love going to work. I absolutely love it, and um so yeah, I really would like to kind of i don't know. Bring some more notoriety Austin's way because it's a great city, it's a great place, and so that's what I really want to do. And then, um, I recently bought a base, and so I'm kind of determined to become a badass. But I'm uh, sorry, I
1: <laughs> it's fine.
0: Okay, <laughs> you might have to bleep that. I'm determined to become like a good ba- like a bass player or whatever. And yeah, so I don't know. I'm just finding a lot of little hobbies to kind of fill my time. So does that, does that mean
1: Becky could join Victorious maybe next
0: Right. Season? Maybe Becky will join Victorious. No. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Isn't Devin the bass player?
1: She is, yeah. I, I thought there may be some uh, some tension there.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I can play one song and not well. So I think she kind of has that position on lock. <laughs> so.
1: if, if you could name, if you could pick your own role or the actor, or actress that you would like to be able to work with, uh, could you, do you have anybody you would just died to be able to work with?
0: Um, Like in the world or on the show?
1: Uh, yeah. Like outside of Friday night lights.
0: Oh, I would love to like play Natalie Portman's little sister in something. Okay. Like I would die Um, because I love her and I think she's, so amazingly talented. I love everything like she's been in. Um, so yeah, I would really like to work with Natalie Portman. And then it'd be really nice to be in something with Brad Pitt, preferably where I get to make out with him.
1: Well, you've and, already made out with Taylor Kitsch, so you might as well.
0: Right. So I feel like I should step up to Brad Pitt. Like it's the only logical next step.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I you know there's there's a lot of uh, you know girls your age. I'm sure that would love to be able to make out with Tether Kitsch already, and you've already accomplished that. So.
0: Oh, yeah, my sisters are usually like, this is weird. I can't watch you kiss this guy on TV. It's right. not fair. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely have gotten that a few times. <laughs>
1: Well, Madison, I appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to seeing the last two episodes. And hopefully there's a few lighter moments that, they'll, that the writers will throw our way because the last few episodes have been pretty heavy and it looks like even this next one is as well. But I'm um, looking forward to seeing more Becky both in season four and season five. And hopefully if uh, NBC gets smart about things, they'll continue on Friday Night Lights to, for more and more seasons.
0: I would love to graduate from East Dillon. So yeah, hopefully.
1: <laughs> well, thanks so much for your help and look forward to talking to you again soon, hopefully.
0: Thank you, Blake. It
1: was good talking to you. So we look forward to hopefully seeing more of Madison as season five rolls around and uh, what happens with her character. You know, Tim kept talking about how you're as much a part of my family as anybody. and So maybe we'll get to see Madison and the Riggins have some interactions there, but we'll see what happens as we move forward. Um, But a couple of emails that we'll look through. Uh, Steven, who has emailed us a few times, he says, after 13 episodes, I thought they did a good job of wrapping things up and I enjoyed the finale. I thought they did a good job of the game, but i don 't think that it was totally unrealistic for the Lions to win. You would think that most of the Lions players have been coming through the ranks preparing to play for Dylan it 's not like all of them were new to football. East also took west's best running back turned out to be a great who also turned out to be a great defensive player, and bigger than all that, they got Vince who turned out to be a dynamic quarterback. Russ disagrees. Um, but throwing the great coaching, the hard practices they had, I could easily see East staying in there to the end and then pulling it out. The only thing I thought was a little crazy was Landry kicking the long field goal, but hey, it's television. I thought the Thanksgiving dinner was cool, kind of a reunion, uh, but whereas Lila, did she go to her mom's for Thanksgiving and it would have been nice to see her or Tyra there with their families. I really like what they did with the whole principal tether thing, and now she will have to wear a black coat to East-West game next year. Did you notice that she did not have her red shirt on? I didn't. The whole Vince Jess thing made more sense. You can see it coming. I guess that's it for Matt and Julie. And I think that Landry will move to Chicago with Matt. Maybe he'll go to Northwestern. I also think that Buddy and Miss Colette will end up together next year. Hmm. Overall, I thought it was a great year. Probably not my favorite season, but I really liked it. I really liked the idea of East and West, Dylan. My biggest complaint is it's only 13 episodes. I felt they have to cram everything in. And I, it could have used a little more football. Um, Alex wrote in and said thought it was a great episode a couple of questions um, I didn't see Matt coming back it was nice to get some closure with him but did Landry stay in Chicago with Matt did Taylor's allow did the Taylor's allow Julie to do the habitat thing and is Luke really going to transfer now that Tammy is a part of East Dillon given his mom's very much dislike of Tammy and what about the promise that was given to Vince from the thug so uh that's one thing you know I think we'll have to look at as uh as season five happens, that uh, Kendrell, what's his name, (laughs) Kennard, will he be after Vince the whole time or not?
2: Uh, You know, that's funny that, like, he had this big threat last week. He's like, this is not over, basically. And uh, this year, it's pretty much over.
1: (laughs) It's
2: not all I going on with that.
1: And that's an interesting perspective with – Luke's mom allowed Luke to go to school there where the counselor is the one who, in her mind, encouraged her grandchild to be aborted. I don't know. That's a
3: good point. I didn't think of that, but that's a good point. What's that? Probably I not. missed
1: that. If uh, he was bringing up the point that now Tammy Taylor is going to be the counselor and part of the administration oh, yeah. at East Dillon, that's where Luke is a student. And so would Luke's mom be in favor of her uh, uh, being one of the specific authorities now for her for child, her son.
2: Did you notice they were in the crowd too?
1: Yeah, you know, because before they weren't even supportive of football, and here they are cheering for him and allowing him, who's still not fully recovered, to go out and and play the game.
2: Well, it would be interesting. It's interesting to me that like they decide the they hate football. I mean, well, they don't hate it, but they don't just don't care about it, and then they decide that's
3: in the only game that their son probably won't play in. Right. I know, I don't get it. They wanna do a they want to do a boarded football career. We'll see what I did there? Yeah. See that? There you go. <laughs> right, yeah.
2: Gotcha. Um I I would say this, uh, about the first email is that I thought that um Mindy Colette and Bloody Garrity um were gonna are gonna be together next year and I think that Mindy? would be great. I would love to see
1: Mindy's mom. How did I say Mindy? Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, Miss Colette. I think that would be great. That would
1: be great, comedic value
2: all 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 year long next year. I would appreciate that. And then
1: uh, I'm not in, I'm not in favor of that. <laughs> Todd sent an email in. He said that uh, he's glad that the Lions won. Even more glad that the McCoys lost. Um, he said the morning after that he drove to work feeling like his favorite team and won the Super Bowl the night before, um, and it felt good watching the Lions sack JD. Um, and he brought up the question, do we see J.D. or just as double in the game itself? Um, he said he would have liked to have seen J.D. crying on the way home in the back of the SUV. Um, the best thing was seeing Coach driving around with the trophy, listening to the radio sports guy. Um, mm-hmm. He says, my memory of the first three seasons is pretty good, but I think I missed any prior meaning, prior mention of the Big Cat clash and the huge East-West rivalry. Uh, too bad that Justin, about Jess and Landry, but I still think that we're going to find out that Jess's father has a big, dark secret that Vince's father is the illegitimate father of Jess. Wow. <laughs> um, <so laughs> looks like...
2: That's, that's a Star that Wars tweet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is Luke and Leia. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like Sam's going to the pokey, one to five years in the slammer. By the way, I don't think the lawyer scene was well thought out. It would be absurd for a lawyer to think that he could get a federal tax evasion charge dropped. But I will willing to look the other way because it is just a television show.
3: Well, we continued our streak of emailers uh, using warning names for prisons, so that's good. The pokey. The pokey, the slammer, and the big house consecutively.
1: But um, those are uh, a couple of, of pieces of feedback we've gotten. And then again, as we look towards uh, next week, we will look to recapping the season itself as a whole and looking at what, uh, what changes we saw introduced to the to the series and to Dylan Texas itself but uh, we look for any feedback people can can give along those ways and again as always we haven't had any voicemails recently but if you'd like to leave a voicemail by going to uh, if you'd like to leave a voicemail by dialing 662-259-0185 or uh, emailing us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com or is leaving us a twitter or a message on our blog as well at fnlpodcast.com I enjoy the, the season guys and i uh, looking forward to seeing what's next
3: all right, New Orleans right. Saints World Champions.
0: I was living in the Devil Town. The day not
1: know it was a Devil Town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the back of Devil Town.